Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. The horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. Hello? Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. Thanks so much for tuning in to Winning Ponies again. Hope to bring you another entertaining and educating show today. Our first guest is going to be Jim Gluckson. Now, Jim is the Senior Communications Consultant at Breeders' Cup Limited. Basically, he has the reins of all the information uh, that goes out about the Breeders' Cup and then gets followed up uh, race by race. And uh, he's done an outstanding job for decades now, I believe. So uh, Jim will be our first guest uh, coming about eight, uh, 15 minutes from now. And then uh, we're going to have Evan Hammonds from the Blood Horse. Well, we've had a lot of the stable of the stars from the Blood Horse over the years here on Winning Ponies, but this will be uh, Evan's debut. Uh, he not only writes for him, for them, he's been a handicapper. And uh, usually after the weekends, you can go and watch his uh, video of uh, After the Wire. It's a, it's a great segment where he breaks down some of the week's uh, best races. Also, of course, uh, Evans has seen some great uh, races that are going to be impacting the Breeders' Cup. And uh, it's hard to believe that the Breeders' Cup is just a little over two weeks away. So for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be totally zoned in on racing's greatest two days, I guess you could say, outside of the Triple Crown races. Uh, well, and then we're going to review the races we had last week. Of course, we had uh, uh, John McDoolan from the Daily Racing Forum handicapping with us. Uh, we'll look at the Queen Elizabeth Challenge, uh, the Knickerbocker, and Athenia from Belmont Park. Uh, the Grade 1 Woodbines near Arctic, which was an interesting race, and we'll see if we can get to any other results if the time allots. And then, of course, uh, with uh, Evan Hammonds being on the show, Evans being a Kentucky boy, we're going to pull down a race that's going to happen tomorrow at Keeneland, and that's the Pin Oak Valley. It's a grade three. And then on Saturday, the grade two Lexus Raven Run. What a wide-open race that is going to be. And then a couple of the state-bred programs are having their big kind of statewide Breeders' Cups, and in New York, just a slew of some great stakes races with some top horses, even though they are New York breads, but you're going to see better and better New York breads with the purses the way they are there. We're going to go to the Empire Classic. That carries a quarter-million-dollar purse at Belmont, and then we're going to shoot over to Laurel, Maryland Millions Day, and it's the Maryland Millions Classic. So we'll be breaking that down with Evan Hammonds. Let's start the show out with some good news. Johnny V becomes the top money-earning rider this week. That's right. It happens Sunday the 13th. 
at Belmont Park. He surpassed Pat Day's record, reaching 297,922,000. He's just been a class act his whole life, a fantastic uh, competitor and uh, father. Earlier this year, Johnny V became the all-time leading rider at Saratoga. That's not an easy thing to do. He broke Jerry Bailey's record of uh, 693 winners. And in July, he posted his 5,000th career win. Now, it's funny that uh, Velasquez passed Pat Day in spite of having ridden 12,000 fewer races. Says something about the purses he's ridden for. Certainly a Class A rider. You see him at all the graded stakes race. Um, He was... uh, uh, born in Carolina, Puerto Rico, and uh, he started riding in the mainland U.S. in 1990. He's won 22 Naira titles, including five at Saratoga. He won the Eclipse Award for Outstanding Jockey in 2004 and 2005, and one of the top honors you can get, the George Wolf Memorial Award, was given to him in 2009. Of course, in uh, recent days, uh, some of the top horses he's had were Animal Kingdom, who won uh, the Kentucky Derby in 2011. Uh, He's won the Belmont Stakes twice. In 2007, it was the Great Philly Rags to Riches. And in 2012, it was Union Rags. He's won 11 Breeders' Cup races, most recently the 2012 Mile with none other than Wise Dan, who I do believe he will be reunited with over in Santa Anita. And Johnny V was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2012. So hats off to uh, John Velasquez. Long may he ride. Uh, the guys that are there with him and in the top ten, of course, Pat Day, Jerry Bailey, Chris McCarron, Edgar Prado, Kent DeSormo, Mike Smith, Lafitte Pinkai, Alex Solis, and Gary Stevens, who certainly could add to his amount. Well, here's the story of the week. Uh, the uh, sixth annual Make-A-Wish Day at Keeneland got a very interesting donation when an anonymous man donated a winning ticket to Make-A-Wish. He asked someone to uh, come up to the w- window with him while he cashed his ticket. The ticket was worth 26 thousand dollars he handed the money over to the make-a-wish people said you know i don't want to make a big deal about this the only thing that he said is i'm from marietta georgia so what a guy donating twenty six thousand dollars uh keeneland of course had uh nine different children from the make-a-wish foundation there in the winter circle after every race it was a really feel-good day and while on the top of the uh, keeneland got a Give a tip of the cap to uh, G.D. Hieronymus and his uh, outstanding video team. Uh, Keeneland was declared the winner of this year's Simulcast Award at the International Simulcast Conference in Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, the award honors the excellence in the presentation of the tracks, live race product to Simulcast outlets. And if you've been watching Keeneland, you know it. I swear, I think they've got a camera attached to every single uh, tree <laughs> and in the uh, in the paddock area, and they've got some great angles during the races. The main thing is is their quality, and they use uh, Trackus. It's a valuable addition uh, to the production. Uh, so hats off to GD Hieronymus and his staff winning the award. Um, now for some not so good news: a uh, horse that was scheduled to go in the Breeders' Cup Marathon. Uh, 
take control was uh, euthanized after sustaining an injury to his right front leg in a workout this week at Santa Anita. Boy, this horse, uh, he, he would have had some kind of stud career. He was lightly raced, but uh, you got to consider the bloodlines that he has coursing through his veins. Uh, his, uh, his dam, Azari, champion, won the 2002 Breeders' Cup Distaff, while his sire was A.P. Indy, winner of the 1992 Breeders' Cup Classic. Um, so, again, he was lightly raised. It's just sad to see that uh, we won't get to see him in action on Breeders' Cup Day. Uh, he was uh, an interesting. He was a buyback at the Keeneland Cell. He had, he had a reserve of $7.7 million, and eventually he did bring $1.9 million in the April uh, two-year-olds in training sale. So uh, sorry to hear that. And we've got a bunch of horses going to the sideline. Uh, one of the ones I really liked a lot and one little money off of was uh, Dullahan. Uh, it looks like, according to uh, Jerry Crawford, who uh, runs Donegal's uh, stable, the injury was sustained uh, after the Colts' last start in the TVG Pacific Classic. Of course, uh, Dullahan at this point was a four-year-old. He'd won three grade one races in his career, uh, the Dixiana Breeders Futurity at two. Then he upset Hanson, as you recall, in the Toyota Bluegrass. And in last year's Pacific Classic, where they were hoping he would run this year, he set a track record at Del Mar for a mile and a quarter in 159.54. Um, Dullahan holds an overall record of three, two, and four from 18 starts for earnings of $1.7 million. And according to uh, to Jerry Crawford, um, they're not sure. That, first of all, they weren't going to retire him. They were going to race him next year if they could have. They did not want to retire him, but they just said even though doctors are saying he could come back, they're not sure he'd be able to come back at a grade one level and why take that chance. So right now he's residing at Kenny Trout's Windstar Farm near Versailles, Kentucky. And... Uh, it looks like they're exploring options. They don't know. He says he's had a lot of offers from overseas, so we'll see if uh, Dullahan will be staying in the U.S. or not. You may recall that uh, he's out of the star- smart strike mare mining my own, which makes him a half-brother to 2009 Kentucky Derby winner, Mine That Bird. Uh, another top horse this year that's uh, going to be retired with a sesamoid injury is Kettlecorn, a speedy horse that pulled off some big upsets and some top, top horses. Uh, looks like he's going into the uh, sidelines now. He came out of his last race, the John Henry Turf Cup, with, with an injury, and they decided not to bring him back. He was a six-year-old son of Candy Ride, and uh, he's uh, currently stabled at Hollywood Park. I uh, have a fractured sesamoid. Um, right now, plans are to stand him at stud. They said he's probably going to be in California, South America, or the Midwest. Uh, they haven't made up their mind exactly where he will be standing stud. Now, a horse that we've uh, talked about over the years is uh, Camelot, the British Classic winner. Looks like he's going to be retired because of an injury uh, that just happened last week. And uh, he's going to stand at Coolmore Stud in 2014. Uh, the injury, they say, was not serious, but the decision uh, was made because he'd miss enough training that he'd be unable to continue on to the World Championships Breeders' Cup at Santa Anita Park. They were really hoping to uh, to get him in there. It would have been great if he could have been to the races. 
out at Santa Anita, but it looks like that is not going to happen. So uh, Camelot, a top European a classic winner, uh, who sold for $875,000, uh, came back to earn that back. A lot don't. He earned over $2.9 million in his career. Uh, Looks like we've got another retirement. Uh, the dual grade one winner, Include Me Out, is going to be retired. But uh, she really, just because she kind of tailed off in the way she was training, there was really no uh, major uh, uh, injury or anything. Uh, but uh, she, she was tailing off. She's going to be retired with earnings of $956,000 and will uh, join the uh, excellent uh, broodmare barn that is uh, put together by JMS Stable. Okay, we've only got a winner or so. Uh, let's take a quick look at last week's top races, of course, the QE2, the grade one at Keeneland that we handicapped, uh, the winner there, Kittens, Dumplings, the three-year-old filly. It looks like she will be going on to the Breeders' and Cup filly and mare turf. Now, no QE2 winner has won, but, hey, this is a horse by Kittens Joy, owned by the Ramses, trained by Mike Maker, absolutely on fire this year that combination is, is amazing then uh, we looked uh, to new york in the uh, knickerbocker za approval very impressive one and a hand ride under joel rosario favored at eight to five made a lot of people happy uh, also in new york it was the athenia the winner in there pianist rated in sex, second was roused up and drew off Jose Ortiz in the saddle. Uh, this just moves up the stock of laughing because Pianist, who won this race very easy, was beaten only a neck by laughing in the Boston Spa in the last start. And then a uh, nice grade one race up in Canada at Woodbine, the 41st running of the near Arctic. It was Phil's dream and a bit of an upset. Uh, usually he's on the front end. He wasn't as close this time. Got away at nine to one. Paid twenty dollars. One driving by two. That was Phil's dream, taking home the Grade One near Arctic. All right, folks. Well, like I said, it is all things Breeders' Cup for the next couple of weeks. So we're going to bring in again the guy that holds the reins on all the information at the Breeders' Cup, Jim Gluckson. You're listening to Winning Ponies. flagship station for sports voice america sports and they're off what can't make it to the track you can still get all the action with winningponies.com the home of the easy win form the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds quarters and arabian horses at most american and canadian tracks whether it be the triple crown breeders cup Travers, Haskell, or your daily races. Don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. 
Lockdown Coverage. Get ready to talk sports with the big guys. Tune in to Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis every Tuesday for the inside and outside of the business of sports. Keith and his guests will provide expert commentary and answer all of your burning questions about your favorite team, the players, and what's next. It's time to have fun with the game. Listen for Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis and his favorite co-hosts every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. The talk doesn't get any hotter. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and back with me is uh, Jim Gluckson. Like I said, he's the uh, uh, Senior Communications Consultant at Breeders' Cup uh, uh, Limited. Uh, he also is the owner of Jim Gluckson Communications. Uh, he's been involved with Breeders' Cup for, like I said, decades. I could be wrong, but it seems it goes back that far to me. And uh, Jim is basically the, the man that kind of is responsible for all of the great information that's out there for all of you handicappers uh, in, in all forms of the media. That's his job is not only to get it out there, but to coordinate an amazing team. I had the honor to be on it one year back at Belmont Park, and uh, it, it, it's quite a, a task uh, he brings together, you know, some of the best uh, writers and PR guys from across the country, gives them all their assignments, and that's where you get all your information. You can go to, to bloodhorse.com or you go, of course, to breederscup.com uh, to get uh, all the latest information on, on what's going on. Now, uh, Jim, how are you doing? I'm guessing you're still in New York. Yes, I'm still in New York here. I'll be going to California next week. Uh, but uh, we are tying up some things here. And as you have indicated, John, it's uh, the flurry of activity of horses coming in uh, to the races is uh, tremendous. The larger fields, the better. It's what we have tried to strive for over the years with these big money purses is to have as large a field as possible, to make the races as unpredictable as possible. And as you know, and as your listeners know, your readers know, we have tremendous payouts every year. And it's uh, really good horses are at high prices, and um, we're very happy that those those opportunities are afforded uh, to individuals uh, to hit the big races and to make a big score. Yeah, I mean the the day that uh, you know the entries uh, do do come out, or the first chance you get to look at the PPs, it, it's a great day to start pulling your hair out because. It just seems like you can make a case for for every horse. There, there's a reason why why, why they are there. Um, not long ago, uh, I got to listen to Steve Hansen's uh, podcast talking about the Breeders' Cup, and he was talking about this year's Classic, and it's just amazing. 
the cast that you've assembled because it's in one part it's almost a replay of last year's race even though each horse you know some are peaking some are bouncing uh you know it, it, that race itself might be outside of the Kentucky Derby uh, the best race in North America this year well, we think it's a better race than the Kentucky Derby, frankly, as far as the quality of the field. Uh, <laughs> and and the, the, right off the top, John, the Kentucky Derby is a tremendous, tremendous horse race and the most popular and well-known race in the country. But we think we have the best race in the world every year in the Breeders' Cup Classic. And you're right. Um, we have the top finishers are coming back from last year. Uh, it, it, to, to run in the classic, I think is a lot of drama. If I, I know that your listeners have heard some of this before, but you know, Game on Dude, right front and center, it's his race to lose in, in the sense that he's his horse of the year on the line. Uh, a race that is containing a lot of speed and a lot of front runners uh, in the race, and of course he's the the ultimate there. And I think he'll be, uh, you know, he'll he'll be the favorite in the race. Um, but we have uh, a situation here where we, last year. When Santa Anita went back uh, to this Breeders' Cup for back to a dirt surface, um, the Eastern and Midwestern horses did very well in the Breeders' Cup, and they had beaten the California horses in most of the races. And obviously, where you had um, horses like the winner Fort Larned, Mucho Macho Man, a tremendous, uh, tremendous finish, three-quarter length victory last year um, by Fort Larned. You had um, flat out in there. And um, in, in, in the fight here, in the end, uh, Ron the Greek, uh, these are horses that came out of the East and did very well. Uh, they're back, and uh, we'll see if California can come back in this event and in general in the Breeders' Cup, or if these horses are going to keep that particular form. Uh, just obviously belaboring the point, just a second, I think everyone was very impressed with Mucho Macho Man's performance in the Awesome Against Stakes over that track. And I think, of course, it would be very formidable in the Classic uh, once again. Well, you know, you're almost always guaranteed great weather uh, out there at Santa Anita. Uh, something that, that happened last week where, that I got to witness were, uh, obviously, the, your races more often than not determine the Eclipse champions and, and Horse of the Year is that I got to see two champions become defeated but i think each of them may have had an excuse i'll I'll start with the sprinter and that was groupie doll it's hard to believe that a five-year-old mare that's won as much money as she has was only running six furlongs for the second time in her life and uh as you know she had a bit of a layoff before uh, she came back with a track record setting performance up at presque isle downs and she got a little bit too far behind at keeneland and, and she ended up not winning her race and then about a half an hour later, one of the biggest storms I ever saw in my life at Keeneland came up. Totally, I never saw puddles on poly track before. And so all of a sudden, the Shadwell Turf Mile became the poly track mile and a sixteenth. And I really think that that cost Horse of the Year Wise Dan his top effort. Just makes for a little more drama uh, coming into the two races that they'll be in. I would agree. Uh, I think uh, I had other reports on the Presque Isle event for Groovy Doll that she was not was not as great a performance despite the record there and uh, strange, but with, with strange performance as it may have been, seven furlongs I think will be more, to, again, sort of like the seven furlong distance coming in for the Philly and Mare Sprint. Wise Dan I thought ran really great uh, despite the situation of that, that race being taken off the turf 
and obviously I think he'll still be very formidable in the mile here. Uh, I think you've, we've talked about this, or you've talked about it with your listeners. Uh, we're expecting uh, Toronado to be the top uh, European coming out, coming over uh, for the mile at this particular time. So, uh, but I think he'll be very tough to do, be defeated in that race. We will have, I should in, interject, the, uh, the official uh, post times race order and the wagering menu um, uh, for the Breeders' Cup coming up on the 22nd next Tuesday. I think, I, however, John, for your listeners, I can hint and I can give some indications on what to expect on the Saturday program. Um, you know, we will, we will open, we have a pick five on, 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 and open the card on the Saturday program. Of course, we'll have the pick six from races seven to 12 on the Breeders' Cup. And we'll also have a super high fi um, in, uh, in the Breeders' Cup uh, on the Saturday, on the Saturday card. Uh, of course, we, we're going to have, um, you know, pick five on Friday, super high five on Friday, and a pick six that may carry over into the next day's wagering as well. So I just wanted to uh, indicate some of those things. The the Friday card, the November 1st card, uh, we will have a total of 11 races. The Saturday card, there'll be 12 races. Um, the Breeders' Cup Classic post time on Saturday is 5.35 p.m. Sorry not to do this in reverse order here. The first Breeders' Cup race, uh, this is a 12.05, uh, 12.05 Pacific, uh, uh, 3.05 Eastern, Right. On Saturday, and then 8:35, 8:35 Eastern for the Breeders' Cup Classic on Saturday. Uh, so I do want to indicate that uh, to you and to your listeners. Now, if for some reason uh, I break my leg and I can't make it to my my, my local racetrack, uh, where can I uh, find the Breeders' Cup on television and/or radio? The Breeders' Cup will be televised on the NBC Sports Network. Uh, you can check the local listings for the NBC Sports Network. Uh, the races will be on there, uh, all of them, on Friday and Saturday. And uh, I will be able to give, provide for everyone here the actual um, post times, sorry, the actual broadcast times uh, for you. Hold on. Um, uh, we're going to have about nine hours of coverage for the, for the broadcast this year which we're very excited about. That's great. Um, we will have the NBC Sports Group Friday, November 1. The NBC Sports Network will be on from uh, 4 o'clock to 8 o'clock Eastern time. All the Breeders' Cup races will be televised, the five Breeders' Cup races on the Friday. Saturday, the coverage picks up again at 3.30 Eastern on the NBC Sports Network and will go to 8 p.m. Then switching over to NBC in prime time from 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern will be the Breeders' Cup Classic, or we call it the Classic Hour. So I think it have all this coverage. The Breeders' Cup races will also be televised live on HRTV. You should be able to should mention that as well, and they'll be streamed on BreedersCup.com. Well, that's a, that, plenty of outlets uh, to go to, plenty of places to see it. There's really uh, no excuse. And... Uh, I, I, I do want to, again, give you a pat on the back on, on the great team you assemble every year and the information you put out. Now, let's say I'm looking for late-breaking news, Jim, maybe uh, a late scratch or how the weather's coming up or, you know, anything of note, perhaps a rider that, that can't make it. Where, where's the best place to go for that information? 
that would be at breederscup.com. Uh, at www.breederscup.com. We'll have the updates throughout the both days, Friday and Saturday, and of course in the days leading up to the event as well with all the news. But uh, you certainly can check it out there. Now, I guess uh, you'll be there. I know you'll, you'll be busy in the press box, but for those that, that, that show up, they got some stuff happening out there at Santa Anita, uh, starting with an infield concert, and I think they got some pretty decent performers lined up. That's that's going to be a different twist, isn't it? Right. This is a uh, a new twist. We we like to have a, um, a plethora of events that are going to go on at the Breeders' Cup. In addition to the great racing, there will be some entertainment in the infield for some people that are coming new to the track uh, for the first time and going to get a, a flavor of a lot of things. Acts such as Tony Braxton, Babyface, Macy Gray, Joan Osborne, uh, will all be performing at the Breeders' Cup Infield Fest uh, during the day and in between in between the races, and they'll be performing after the races as well. Kristen Chenoweth is also going to be um, performing at the, at the Breeders' Cup. That's uh, that's a lineup of some of the acts that are going to take take place there at the at the event. Uh, for those also going, John, I should also add there is a great, um, how should I say, a festival of foods yeah. called the Taste of L.A., which is all the great, um, great restaurants in L.A. are going to have uh, little kiosks of, of great uh, offerings. I should also mention back in the infield there will be food trucks. Uh, right. And there will Lots also be craft truck, beer, sold cheese trucks, the, the border grill. Man, I'm getting hungry just reading about it. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of things up there. There's a fascinator and fedora contest, a hat contest we just announced today. There will also be uh, at Santa Anita on, on on at the Breeders' Cup Friday and Saturday. So just a just a smattering of things going on. Uh, in addition, obviously, to the great racing that uh, we're going to that we're going to have throughout the uh, throughout the two days of the event. Well, all I can say is uh, I, I know all the experience you have in here has helped you so much, but I do know how much work's involved. And uh, a tip of my cap to you, Jim Gluckson, you, you put on a great show, and I hope you guys have a super, super day of racing, and I'm sure that uh, you'll be collapsing sometime shortly about three weeks from now. Sounds like a good plan, John. Thank, <laughs> thank you so much for having me. All right, Jim Gluckson, the Senior Communications Consultant at Breeders' Cup Limited. And coming up, the man that brings us after the wire from the Blood Horse, Evan Hammonds. We'll be talking some Breeders' Cup, and we'll be doing some handicapping. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. 
Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and here's a gentleman I've been wanting to talk to for a while. As you know, we, we often reach out to uh, to members of, of the Blood Horse magazine, and I've pretty much made the trips around. I've been wanting to get this guy on for a while. His name is Evan Hammond. And, again, uh, if you go up on their website, you can see him in person uh, with his After the Wire uh, video segment reports. Uh, he's also a writer, and he does know how to handicap a horse now and then. Um, there's some things I... I didn't know about him. I mean, he's been with the uh, magazine for 15 years. Um, he was uh, managing editor, executive editor. Uh, then before that, he worked at the Daily Racing Forum in Jersey and Arizona. But he grew up in Lexington, and like so many people, it starts out with a family member that brings you to the races. And I believe it was his grandmother who took him to Keeneland <clears throat> during the spring and fall meets and taught him how to read the PPs when he was eight or nine. All I can say is you're not the only one in that club because <laughs> I, that, that's about the time I started. I had an older brother that took me, and, and hats off for picking 15 to one uh, Derby winner. I'll have another with us, ladies and gentlemen, Evan Hammonds. My pleasure to be here, John. And I just wanted to thank my uh, grandmother for getting me started in the uh, in my career. Absolutely. You know, uh, people used to see that I would have my, my kids at the racetrack when they were young. They're like, you know, why are you bringing your kid to the racetrack? I said, I'm teaching them math. Mm. I'm teaching them what a fifth of a second means. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of addition. There's a lot of subtraction, some division, some uh, get your slide rule out, get your, uh, your uh, graphing calculator out and go to work. Well, you know, when I looked at your resume from, from Jersey to Arizona, I didn't realize that you were kind of a Central Kentucky-based guy. Tell me a little bit about, you know, growing up and, you know, that that first thrill of getting turned on to the horses. Yeah, well, uh, you know, as I said, grew up in, in Lexington. My, my grandmother went to Keeneland every day. Now, again, it was just April and October, but uh, uh, spring break back then was in April, not in March like it is now, but you, you had a week off from school and... And you went to the track every day with your uh, with your grandmother, and she would uh, sit me down. She would bet two dollars on every race. And uh, after a couple of years, again when I was eight or nine, she said, "If you're going to keep coming out here, you got to know how to read this." And she just whipped out the racing form, showed me how to read it, and uh, was hooked. Years later, we used to hang out at uh, Wheeler's Pharmacy and Chevy Chase, and wait for the uh, wait for the uh, daily racing forms to be delivered. <laughs> so, we could, so we could buy them, and, and I was on my bike. So I, 
I remember it well at Colson's in Albany, New York, down there about midnight, waiting for the forms to come off before we went up to Saratoga. We'd stay up till 2 in the morning. Yeah. My brother Bob oh, would sure. give me assignments. It was before the days that, you know, they actually showed, you know, second of 45 works, third of 45 works, like you see in the, in the form mm-hmm. now. Oh, sure, yeah. They'd show the bullet work. So my job was to go and find the next three fastest horses. I, again, I was about eight or nine years old, mm-hmm. and he was working at Saratoga. But I just, you, you get the hook into you. Now, they didn't just, uh, the Blood Horse magazine didn't just say uh, in the daily racing form, uh, come on, Evan, uh, we hear you, your grandmother taught you how to <laughs> handicap. Uh, what what other skills got you to the point where you got your way in, in, into racing where they actually handed you a paycheck at the end of the week? Well, these the skills were involved uh, having a good buddy whose dad was friends with somebody who worked at the Blood Horse. And actually, I got a job working at the Blood Horse uh, part-time when I was in college at UK. So I was going to uh, uh, UK during the, uh, during the uh, uh, days, and in the afternoons, I was spent uh, at the Blood Horse. And that was back before the days of computer. Everything had to be calculated by hand. And I used to write uh, stallion register pages uh, in the fall, you know, the, the stallion register that comes out in December. So uh, I would spend all summer and all... Uh, that fall semester, just <clears throat> writing handicapping pages, or writing the stallion register pages, looking at pedigree after pedigree, reading race result after race result, and it just uh, just uh, sunk in. And uh, good fortune was uh, they gave me a job, a uh, production job, when I got out of school in college. and was there a couple of years, but then uh, moved on, and I moved to New York, uh, worked for Macmillan Publishing uh, for a couple of years, which was owned at the time by Edward Evans. But we weren't exactly uh, close. He was on a uh, different floor. <laughs> he was the president of the company. Um, but then from there, uh, just uh, one day, saw uh, an ad for a uh, startup publication. It turned out to be Figs Form. Went to work for them for about six months when they went out of business. We, uh, several of us, had Figs Form, which later became Racing Times. Right. Went on to work at the Racing Form. So <clears throat> that was about ni- that was 1989. So I was living in New York in the in the uh, the days of Easy Goer and Sunday Silence, and had the good fortune of being a Sunday Silence fan in New York, so I was able to make a lot of money. Oh, a rare one! I was a rare one and uh, uh, a contrarian and a Charlie Whittingham fan, and uh, uh, did rather well at the OTBs that summer. Well, that's great. I love hearing the stories of, of how people <laughs> got got into the game. You know, um, yeah. Uh, while each one's different, there, there's usually a thread. Like you just said, Sunday Silence. Somebody, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, there's a horse that grabs them, whether it be a Kelso, a Forgo, uh, an Easy Go, or a Sunday Silence, and certainly a Secretariat Affirmed or Seattle Slough. And sure. it's just funny how all of a sudden there was just something about the majestic uh, way that these horses you know, won their races and, and the great competition that we had, I guess some would say, in the golden era. Uh, just got you so excited you say, I want to get into this game. Yeah, and, and there was something about the, the Easy Goer Sunday Silence thing, which I think is, I think looking back on it now, it really was the last big, uh, you know, three year old rivalry that, that, you know, lasted all the way through the year and then into a little bit of their four year old year. But there was just something about it that, that every time they stepped on the racetrack, whether against each other or prepping to face each other, it was, uh, you know, it was almost like boxing. There was a great build up to the, to, to the heavyweight, uh, heavyweight uh, title bouts. Well, in, in keeping with the times, you know, the, the, the Blood Horse does a, does a great job uh, on, on their site. And uh, how, how did you find your way uh, getting into the segment uh, 
of, of After the Wire, which, by the way, you do an excellent job. Oh, well, I don't know about that. Thank you. Uh, you know what? I really don't, I can't really recall how that started. We were just looking for some ideas to uh, do something with video, and we had that handicapping show that uh, that, that Tom is, uh, Tom Lamara, our news editor, has, uh, you know, nurtured along uh, very well and very successfully. So we were looking something to kind of uh, anchor that, so we thought we would do, you know, kind of a Monday morning uh, armchair quarterback kind of a show, and I, I said I would do it, and everybody turned around and said, okay. So I just uh, <laughs> just kind of started it on the fly and didn't really know what I was doing and still don't know what I'm doing, but hopefully we uh, offer a little insight here and there. I like to break down uh, the races by quarters. and uh, As far as handicapping goes, I'm really keyed in on the final time. So I tried to you know, break down the races and show who does what, where, and 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 see how they finish, which to me is the most important part of uh, the race. Well, in this week's show, if people want to go back and look at it, you did an outstanding job on uh, pianist uh, job in the the Athenias. You broke that down, and again, like you said, that really gives kind of a little more boost to laughing. Uh, mm-hmm. Who's you know really at the top of her game right now too. Yeah, and that's uh, you know she she figures to be one of the uh, favorites for the uh, Breeders' Cup filly and mare turf. Uh, I'm you know I'm looking at the the DRF morning line odds right now, and they got laughing at about eight to one. I would uh, love to get eight to one on her out at uh, Santa Anita in a couple of weeks. All right, well Evan, I've got about fifteen minutes left <laughs> to try to uh, pack four races in. I'm going to put a little more emphasis on the Keeneland races because I know that's in your backyard. And okay, that, that's okay. where I saw you just last week as we met in the parking mm-hmm. lot. Sure, and, uh, and I pinned you down for your number. <laughs> yeah, uh, no problem. We're going to start with a, a, a race tomorrow. Um, the the Pin Oak Valley View is a grade three uh, for three-year-old fillies going a mile and a sixteenth. And I'm wondering who kind of floats to the top for you. I noticed that uh, Nellie Cashman seems to be getting most of the headlines. Yeah, and, and to be open and honest with you, John, I was really focused on the uh, Raven Run here, which is on Saturday. So I'm going to do uh, – I'm very good – uh, handicapping. If I'm not 100% sure of what's going on, I always defer to somebody who knows something a little more, and I'll defer to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, in this case, again, you know, Nellie Cashman just seems to be the now horse. Uh, she's got a, a really nice pace scenario. Um, she uh, won the grade three of Virginia Oaks. Uh, Forrest Boyce, the regular rider, is up. She's coming off three straight wins. I uh, wasn't afraid to uh, leave. Uh, you know, her hometown went up to Saratoga and uh, ends up winning the grade two Lake Placid. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I really do think that uh, she's she's the one to beat. And I, I love the fact that uh, her odds are five to one. The morning line favorite it is Summer of Fun uh, with the Bonaventure mm-hmm. Stable. Some people I know from uh, St. Bonaventure University. I wish them go. well, too. Of course, uh, you know, the horses coming out of the Garden City have done really well. All to right, I believe, mm-hmm. finishing second last week and discreet Mark. One on Monday, yeah. so uh, she she's the one to beat. But uh, I'm going to try to beat her with a little bit of a price with Nellie Cashman on the inside. Okay, so. and just looking at that, I like the fact that the that he's uh, that he's bringing his jock with him. That Mr. Boyce is coming in. So, well, then now we're going to go to a race that uh, even Frank Angst seemed to have angst about, 
and that is the Lexus Raven Run. I know okay. who I like here, but and I'll say that for last. I want to let you go first since you okay. you stuck me with the first race. Um, but uh, I, I want to get your 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 read on the race. Okay, well, well, it's a good thing you brought up Frank Angst and his angst on the race because I believe he was leaning a bit towards a uh, horse Long in the shot. middle of the field that was um, Jewel of the Cat. Jewel of the Cat, and I was going to talk about Jewel of the Cat for a little bit, uh, as you mentioned on uh, or on or mentioned he was earlier on that handicapping show. He, he is a very astute handicapper. He watches every race, you know, specifically Kentucky and uh, the New York races. He had. This last race that Jewel of the Cat in was, was one of his highest-rated races at the whole Saratoga meet. And if you take Jewel of the Cat and look at her close time, she closed in under six seconds. Wow. Now, she doesn't have uh, synthetic form, and she doesn't have form at seven furlongs, but any horse that can close uh, in that fast and can run five-and-a-half furlongs in 101 and four, I'm all over so that's a, that's a key play. I like a horse on the extreme outside, which is Eden Prairie. I'm, I'm flipping whoa, 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 here. 30 to 1, Evan? I like 30 to 1 shots, uh, especially at Keeneland and especially on the poly track. Uh, seven for, this is a seven furlong race, which is a, uh, I learned this at the Daily Racing Forum. Seven furlong races are really specialty races. Six furlong horses. Uh, sometimes can do seven, sometimes they can't. Mile horses can sometimes do seven, sometimes they can't. So you look for horses that have seven furlong form. Also, uh, you've got to look for horses that have synthetic form or you know good turf form. Now, last time out in her synthetic debut at seven furlongs at Arlington, uh, Eden Prairie closed. Uh, she came from three and three-quarter lengths out of it to win by three lengths, going seven furlongs. So she was really moving in the stretch, again, closing at about 11-2, 11-3, something like that. Um, I think uh, I think she's a, a solid player at 30-1 to 1 on the morning line, and I don't care that she's in post-14. Post <laughs> so how about that? Well, I, I I love it. I love it, and I'm sure our, I'm sure our listeners do too. So I'll go. Um, I'll go for the uh, the football football score exacta. That's the seven fourteen box. <laughs> Hope I get those numbers in my box down at the bar this week. <laughs> yeah, um, that'd be good. <laughs> well, but, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with, with a horse. Really good, that, there's uh, some really good fillies in the race, but but looking at it, I, I would have no trouble walking up to the window and putting down a few bucks on Eden Prairie. Well, good. Well, I'm, I'm going to put them both in with a horse that, that, that I've been following that I really like, and uh, her name is Silcita. Uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. Watching this outfit, Eclipse Thoroughbred Partners, and these, these are some sharp guys. They, they have done a phenomenal job, and I think they've been in the business about two, maybe three years. Yeah, yeah. I believe they're headed up by Lee Midcliffe, a uh, guy uh-huh. from Dayton, Ohio, believe there it or not. There you go. And... Uh, uh, he's uh, really learned his lessons well. They're very selective. Of course, th- these are the guys that came up with in lingerie Correct. Uh, for first start, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. uh, I can't imagine what she's going to bring in the upcoming Fazic Tipton sale <laughs> in full to Frankel. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a nice turn of, turn on profit there, I can tell you. you you're not kidding. But uh, the reason I, I like Silcita in here, um, 
the seven furlongs fits her well. Uh, she she ran uh, second in a stake at Belmont, going seven furlongs. It was going to go on. It was taken off uh, the grass that day, and the track uh-huh. was good. Uh, I was there to watch her bourbon at Oaks, and she just has to be timed very well. Mike Smith's going to be in the saddle for the first time. If he can just get up there just in time, and uh, again, I have some personal information into this horse, and not make his move too soon, uh, her uh, only effort on a synthetic track was a winning one in the grade three Bourbonette. Uh-huh. And in the hands of Todd Pletcher, I, I just think she's going to be very, very dangerous. I don't think Mike Smith's going to hurt you. Right now she's sitting at seven to two, so I'll, I'm going to use her with, uh, with mm. two long shots if I can. There you go. And last time out at uh, Saratoga, she uh, couldn't catch a horse by the name of Nellie Cashman. So <laughs> yeah, I've that horse recently. Friday before you dive in too deeply on Saturday. Exactly. Well, listen, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back to two, I guess, uh, state-bred uh, races, uh, races that I always like uh, because uh, you're comparing apples to apples. So we're talking with Evan Hammonds from the Blood Horse. You're listening to Winning Ponies. We'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. flagship station for sports voice america sports you're tuned in to winning ponies with your host john engelhart got a tip for us need a tip from us if you want to talk with john or his guests the phone lines are now open toll free at 1-888-346-9144 that's 1-888-346-9144 or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. And with me, Evan Hammonds from the Blood Horse. Right now, we're going to take a brief look at, at a couple of state-bred programs, but it's not just a state-bred race. Uh, this, these are days of this is each state's Breeders' Cup. Uh, last week, uh, it was held in Ohio, and it, it's kind of neat to see these horses uh, because 
if, if you're a fan of a certain track, let's say, or, or just a program like in Ohio, uh, the, the best of Ohio was held up at Thistledown last week. You've seen these cho- horses race against themselves, and you also know the players. Certainly one of the biggest players in Ohio is Tim Ham, and he just <clears throat> killed the baby races. But everybody knows that that's the case. And uh, they saw a great uh, race mare in and, and pay the man. This is an Ohio bred that's won over a million dollars. Not too bad for a little Buckeye bred. And uh, and then they saw the uh, the older horses that have raced against each other for years in the Best of Ohio Classic with Raise the Reward, a seven-year-old gelding who's uh, went over the four hundred thousand mark. So uh, I'm just pointing out the state bred programs. The nice thing about it is you get to compare them. You've seen them race uh, against each other, and I and I think it makes for uh, a better or a more confident handicapping challenge, let's say this week, if you're familiar mm. with the Maryland program or uh, the New York program. Would you concur, Evan? Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, uh, agree, definitely. And, you know, if, if you're at the track, you know, you're you're local and you're there, you know, every, every not every day, but every weekend or so, you have a much, you're much more in tune with, you know, the Maryland bread program or the Ohio bread program or the New York bread program at those tracks. So, those days, you, you, when you go to the track, you feel like you have a little better edge than you do on a normal day. Absolutely. Well, listen, I know you're connected somewhat with, with the New York program, so we'll go to what is going to be the best uh, purse of the day. Not bad. Quarter million dollars for New York breads. Ten years ago, mm-hmm. even the guys in New York would poo-poo the New York breads. Well, now they're running for a quarter million dollars. This is the Empire Classic. They're going a mile and an eighth. Uh, you've got a horse uh, going here for his eighth consecutive win. I kind of like that. Makes for a great storyline. And read the prospectus. Is this Gelding mm-hmm. the one to beat? Well, he's definitely the one to beat, and and one thing you have to look at too, he's not only eight for eight, but he's also <clears throat> two for two at Belmont, which is uh, you know Big Sandy. It's a specialty track. Some horses really like it, some horses really don't. He apparently uh, doesn't seem to mind it too bad, and uh, he does like to come from from off the pace a little bit. He's got good buyer speed figures, so I mean he is clearly the one to beat. But I, I think uh, if he uh, can be beaten. It might be from the horse that's right to his inside, which is Saratoga Snacks, who has uh, put up some pretty hefty buyer numbers against state breads. Yeah, and again, uh, you talk about Big Sandy as the nickname uh, Belmont Park. Saratoga Snacks, four starts, three victories, and one second. Mm-hmm. And this is only a, a four-year-old. This is only raced nine times in its life, but has six <clears throat> wins, two seconds, and a third uh, another good reason why somebody made a wise move plunking down 60,000 for this New York bread uh, uh-huh. just to defer to one of your colleagues uh, I was uh, you know watching the show this week and uh, Frank Angst uh, is coming up with I don't I don't have the odds in front of me but the horse's name is Zetterholm yes and uh, he he points out that this horse uh, you know uh, Back in 2012, looked like a top contender. Even ran in the uh, the Preakness against I'll Have Another, one of your favorite horses, as yes, I know. And uh, and then was off for the longest time. Came back, ran fifth in its return at Saratoga. But Frank himself uh, thought that uh, 
it, it was a good enough race. It was good enough t- uh, tightener. Visually, he liked it. And again, you respect him. I respect him. Uh, uh-huh. So he was picking uh, Zetter home in there. But w- without a doubt, I got to say that uh, read the prospectus. Uh, looks like the one to beat. This horse can race a little bit close, a little bit off the pace, whatever. But when he's in against his New York brethren, he's awful, awful tough. Well, yeah. uh, we've only got uh, two minutes left, so we're going to kind of okay. just skip right to the uh, the Maryland Million. And uh, from everything I've read in here, the inside horse, uh, eight too fast to catch, is the one to beat. Now, we were talking about horses for courses. This horse at Laurel has made 23 starts, 10 wins, 4 seconds, and 1 third. So i got to say, it's not often you see a morning line horse at 2 to 5, but 8 of a fast, 8, eight too fast to catch uh, is going to be the heavy favorite in the Maryland Million. But it'll be a great day. There'll be all kinds of Maryland horses uh-huh. racing against each other. And uh, we're, we're just down to... Uh, uh, the, the last uh, part of the show. So, uh, Evan Hammonds uh, from the Blood Horse, I want to thank you so much for being on with us, and I want to tell everybody to tune in to your After the Wire video, and I look forward to crossing paths with you at the Keeneland Press Box soon. Okay, well, John, thank you very much for having me, and uh, be happy to talk to you anytime. All right, well, uh, you just made a big mistake, because once I got your number, you get called back. <laughs> no, no problem. All right, that's Evan Hammonds from the Blood Horse. Earlier we had Jim Gluckson uh, from the Breeders' Cup. We're coming up on the big days of racing with the Breeders' Cup. We'll have some top guests for you next week, too. I want to thank my guests. I want to thank you for listening. Remember, if you bring a loved one to the racetrack, practice safe bets. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.